First Metrosec is providing this podcast as a general market commentary. Reference to any specific security, product, or entity do not constitute as an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed by the hosts are subject to change without notice and First Metrosec is under no obligation to update, amend, change, or correct any of the statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed. The statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of First Metrosec. First Metrosec disclaims any liability arising from reliance on or reference to any information obtained in this podcast. Podcast Network Asia. You are listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast, where we feature timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and the economy in the hope of providing you investing and trading guidance. Here's your host, Royce Aguilar, from the Research Department at First Metro Sec. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of First Metro Securities Podcast. Uh, I'm Royce Aguilar, part of the equity research team of the company. So now this is our first time uh, interviewing someone from a specific company. So of course, uh, before we introduce our guest for this podcast, let me introduce the company first. So we have Nickel Asia Corp. Okay. So first, Nickel Asia is the biggest nickel mining uh, company in the country. And the group has four operating mines uh, operated by its subsidiary. So the Rio Tuba mine in Palawan operated by Rio Tuba Nickel Mining Corp. We have the Taganito mine in Claver, Surigao del Norte operated by the Taganito Mining Corporation. We have the Taganaan mine in Surigao del uh, Norte also, I believe. And then we that's operated by the Hinatuan Mining Corporation. And we have the Cagdianao Mine in Cagdianao, Dinagat Islands, operated by Cagdianao Mining Corporation. Okay, so Nickel Asia exports saprolite and limonite ore to customers in Japan and China. So its customers use its ore for the production of ferronickel and nickel pig iron, both used to produce stainless steel and for the production of pig iron used for carbon steel. So it's worth noting that Nickel Asia is also the exclusive supplier of limonite ore from its Rio Tuba mine to the Coral Bay plant. So that is actually the country's first hydrometallurgical nickel processing plant owned by Coral Nickel Coral Bay Nickel Corporation. So Nickel Asia has actually has a 10% equity interest in that said company. So apart from the four operating mines, Nickel Asia has other properties in various stages of exploration of nickel while continuing to seek opportunities in copper and gold. So actually, they, they have ventured in several uh, sectors. Recently, they moved into the area of renewable energy and power generation. So in 2018, actually, they completed this construction of 10 megawatt diesel power plant. And the power is currently being sold to the Surigao del Norte Electric Cooperative under a power supply agreement. So this diesel power plant, which commenced operations in 2018, is designed to alleviate the shortage of power, particularly in Surigao City. So in terms of their entry into the renewable energy business, actually it was formalized as early as 2015 with the conversion of their 446 million loan to equity and additional equity infusion of 474 million. So that corresponds to an equity ownership 
in Emerging Power Inc. of 66%. Now, I want to talk about, before we, we introduce our guests, we want to talk about their earnings for 2020, right? 2020, a pandemic year. But let me sh- let me explain to you how the company performed. So Nickel Asia Corp, in terms of their attributable net income, net of minority interest in 2020, it was at $4.07 billion. 51% higher than 2019 of 2.68 billion. So their net income increased dramatically on the back of higher ore export prices. So the company exported a total of 10 million wet metric tons of nickel ore in 2020, only down by 4% in for compared to 2019 however or or export prices increased 45% from $23 per wet metric ton to 33.99 per wet metric ton in 2020 so in terms of their deliveries just to specify right the taganito nickel corporation and coral bay nickel corp um plants the pricing of which is linked to the London Metal Exchange. So the company delivered 8.2 million wet metric tons in 2020, slightly lower than 2019, at an average price of 6.22 per pound of payable nickel. So if we, on a combined basis, the company sold 18.2 million wet metric ton. And that's at a price of $22, $22.46 per wet metric ton, compared to $16 per wet metric ton in 2019. So you can see that the Despite delivering slightly lower uh, nickel, it's because of the ore export prices. So they managed to take advantage of those. So now this is the time we introduce our guest. So we have here Mr. Uh, JB Bailon. He is the VP, Vice President for Corporate Communications of Nickel Asia Corp. So hi, Sir JB. Welcome to our podcast. Hello, Royce. Uh, thank you for having me and having Nickel Asia as the first as you say, corporate uh, feature in uh, yes. in your podcast. Yes, definitely. It's the first company in focus here in our uh, podcast. Now, let's, if I may, you know, I, I, let's move on to our first question. So as mentioned in, the, in our introduction, um, Nickel Asia's net income surged by 51% in terms of net of minority interest. Well, uh, while it can be attributed to higher nickel prices, right, last year, the company managed to sell... Only 3% less despite the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's quite impressive. So how was the company able to get passed through the pandemic? So what were the measures implemented that led to this earnings outperformance? Well, if you if you were to ask our president, if our president were here to answer the question, um, he would, I suppose, uh, focus on two uh, factors. Now, first is the business environment factor. And you're correct to point out that uh, you know the global prices went up by 45% driven uh, mainly by the Indonesian oil ore export ban, which uh, kicked in in 2020. So that was a major stimulant to the higher prices. And of course, we benefited from it. And you're right to point out that even if we exported less, we gained far, far more. But the other factor, which is just as important, and our president would surely point it out, is the human factor. The pandemic was frightening it remains frightening but it was very frightening in the beginning nobody knew what was hitting us but we made but the senior management made it quite clear to our people when i say our people our communities as well as our employees that we were in this pandemic together um, and that's why you know we channeled funds to our communities provided them food items at the height of the most severe lockdowns we made sure we coordinated closely with our lg hosts because there was fear everywhere and uh, remember 
as a mining firm selling ore to China with Chinese vessels coming in, right. you can imagine the anxiety no, of communities about, wait, 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 you're letting Chinese vessels come in. No? So we yeah. have to be very transparent with our communities and with our LGUs no, in testing, tracing local cases, providing PPs and other critical equipment. Um, we also invited our partners, Sumintom Metal. You mentioned the Coral Bay Nickel Processing Plant. We also have a, a bigger one, uh, Taganito H. Pal in, in, in Claver. No? We, yeah. we invited them to join us in donating the first molecular test laboratory of uh, the Red Cross in Surigao. No? That was an 18 million donation. Uh, so all in all, we've, we spent over 100 million helping communities where we operate. Uh, we would say that that was as important as the um, business environment factor, because even if the business environment was good, if your people were discouraged or afraid, no, uh, you wouldn't have the same um, support you had, no, we had. And right. uh, taken together, uh, I think the results speak for themselves, no? yeah. especially because not a single NAC employee was let go or right. had to have his paycheck cut. No? We are proud of that, that we have not let anyone go or not we haven't had to cut any jobs and we were able to sail through the the terrible year of 2020 with everybody sticking together i think those two combined is the reason why nicolasia did as it did in 2020 wow, that's good to highlight uh, actually it's it's worth highlighting that you did not let go of a single employee and that's besi- that's despite being in a pandemic yes. year that's oh great. yeah yeah I, I forget our cfo also wants me to to, uh, reminded me to to mention yeah. that not True. only did we not let go of any employee, we gave the mid-year bonus, we gave oh. a year-end bonus, uh, yeah. and I'm hoping she will give another great year-end bonus in 2021. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> let's put that on the record. All right, all right. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Um, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I mean, in terms of more, uh, the market price of nickel, it's still quite elevated. It's right? quite yes, yes. So currently, yes. Going to the next question. Currently, you are the the leading nickel mining company in the country, right? So how does the company uh, plan to grow further given the rapid demand of, for electric vehicles, right? That's probably, if there's a, there's a growth prospect, at, at least for the product of nickel, it's probably because of the rapid demand for electric vehicles. So do you have, besides that, do you have any specific strategies already set in place that you can share with us in terms of growth uh, strategies for the company? Well, other than the current uh, four operating mines you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we have three development projects in the pipeline. We have a mine in Dinapige, Isabela, covering 2,300 hectares with about 153 million wet metric tons in resources. We target an annual production of 2 million plus wet metric tons starting this year, actually. We're actually already in in, uh, test shipments of uh, limonite, which go to Coral Bay, the processing plant you mentioned in Palawan. The second uh, project, development we have uh, in the pipeline is Bulanjao in Rio Tuba. Uh, it's a bit bigger, covers 3,500 hectares, about 70 million wet metric tons and resources. We target an annual production of 4 million wet metric tons and hope to start full production next year, 2022. Um, a third is Manikani Island in Giwan Eastern Summer, 1,100 hectares, uh, resources of 45 million wet metric tons and an annual target production of 2 million wet metric tons. Uh, we target start date whenever God is willing, <laughs> because there are a couple of issues uh, still lingering on the Manikani project. 
But you see, these three projects alone, uh, you know, will boost the nickel Asia production considerably. And what is interesting, and you actually pointed out, what is interesting is it may not be widely known, but in in some ways, NAC is already part of the whole EV revolution you mentioned. Right. You see, our majority is partner in the two HPAL plants in in Surigao and in Palawan is actually Sumitomo Metal. Now, Sumitomo supplies the nickel-based cathode materials for Panasonic's lithium-iron batteries. Right. And Panasonic and Tesla are in a joint venture for batteries. No? And this joint venture dominates the American market. What is interesting about the American market is it is lagging behind China and Europe in terms of electric uh, vehicles, no? which means it has a lot to catch up to do, no? which means the market for Tesla Panasonic batteries is huge. And that's where Sumitomo is plugged in. No? So recently, Sumitomo announced that it will boost its capacity for cathode materials from 5,000 tons per month to 7,000 tons per month by 2025 and 10,000 tons per month by 2027. Now, that speaks eloquently of the growth in demand of EVs, as you mentioned. Yes. And to me, it is exciting to think that NAC, in some little way, is already part of that stream of, uh, of the EV revolution uh, sweeping the, country, uh, the world, no? Yes. Um, unfortunately, it's not yet very true in the Philippines. So right. I don't know if we're selling any, how many you know, models of uh, of electric vehicles, but but it'll be here soon. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah, it's actually good that you highlighted that it's not yet, that there's a huge growth prospect for electric vehicles. We're seeing it in, in mostly developed countries and China. That's right. But, That's you right. know, it, it, there's room. There's still a huge room for electric vehicle industry to really expand, right? And I think with the in not only investors but consumers now are more concerned towards the environment given the global That's warming, right. etc. That's why they're they're le- really leaning towards sustainability. So we're we're already seeing it in electric vehicles, even uh what we eat, the right? plant-based, etc. So that's, that's right. what really uh, going for, right? So that's good that nickel in 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 at least in small but, ways yeah. already well positioned. Yeah. But Royce, I'd also like to point out something ironic here eh? because sure. many environmentalists, of course, are anti-mining because they say yes. mining is incongruent with environmentalism. But what is interesting is you cannot have electric vehicles without the products of mining. So the only way for us to go green in this world is actually to go responsible mining because the products of responsible mining feed into your electric vehicle industry, right. which, of course, goes a long way in cutting down on uh, Gas emissions and saving the environment. So that's the ironic thing about it. Yeah, that's that's it's a good thing you actually pointed that out. It's usually not um, looked. Usually, you right. know, people in social media don't look at it that way. So that's, that's right. Th- thank you for highlighting that. That's right. I would like to I would like to tackle though on, on the, regarding the next question. This is pretty interesting, at, at least regarding the mining companies. So last April of this year. Uh-huh. Uh, President Rodrigo Duterte issued an executive order lifting the nine-year moratorium on mineral agreements to spur economic growth and support the projects and the programs of the government. So keep in mind that this new executive order amends the one made by uh, the late President Noynoy Aquino in 2012. So my question is, how would Nickel, uh, or at least how would you see the company specifically benefiting from this executive order? Do you have any you know, mines could immediately be operating once, you know, given the moratorium is lifted already? Well, fortunately for Nickel Asia, we never really were uh, directly impacted by EO79. Our projects have long had MPSAs, uh, 
and we didn't have any exploratory projects impacted by the order of the late President Aquino. No? So directly, there hasn't been much of a change for NAC as a company, um, even with the arrival of EO130. But for the mining industry as a whole, of which we are part, no? uh, it's undeniable that EO130 is a much-needed shot in the arm. After, as you mentioned, nine years of being in the doldrums, starting with the issuance of the EO, and then, of course, we had the wild ride under then secretary, the late secretary, Gina Lopez, when she was at the helm of uh, the DNR. No? Uh, I think EO130 finally recognizes that the industry can play a role, especially at a time when we are desperate for ways and means to jumpstart our economy. Um, as you know, mining never stopped, you know, which means that mining communities all over the country have not become, you know, what the, the Filipino word is, pabigat, no? have not become pabigat to the national government during this time of an economic downturn. In fact, because the mining sector has been enjoying some good years, times lately, um, our contributions to the local and national economies have never been more apparent. And again, as I say, you know, while uh, we were not directly impacted by EU79 and not therefore directly impacted by EU130, I believe as that Nicolaitis, as part of the mining industry, appreciates the fact that uh, EO130 is a much-needed shot in the arm, and it is like a whiff of fresh air, put it this way, after being years of being in lockdown <laughs> in yeah. a windowless uh, room. No? So let, let's hope uh, it, it, it results in what it is intended to do. All right. So, yes, so thank you, thank you for that one. Actually, next one, there, there's this is still related to at least another a, a government initiative towards mining. So the government is preparing to sell mining assets to again raise funds for pandemic-related expenses. So the Department of Finance uh, has been working with the Mines and Geoscience Bureau and the Department of Environment and Natural Resources for the disposition of several mines, including the Nonoc Nickel Project in Surigao del Norte, where, where a lot yep. of your uh, mines are currently located. And there's also this Basay Copper Mine in Negros Oriental. So do you, does the company have any plans to bid for these mining assets? We always keep our eyes open no, for potential projects. And definitely these are, you know, are worth looking at. And I'm sure uh, the time will come when um, our special projects team will you know, we'll be looking at them. Um, although at the moment, we remain focused on the three development projects I mentioned. No? Yes. Um, Dinapige, we already established a temporary causeway. What is interesting about Dinapige is that it faces the Pacific Ocean in the, in, in the Isabella coast. No? And you can imagine what type of waves we have. No? Uh, unfortunately, you cannot use surfer boats to, to take down ore. No? So we're focused on that. We're focused on Bulanja and Manikani. No? Um, but again, we're always on the lookout for potential projects and whatever the government puts on the, on the chopping block, so to speak, no, um, we will look at. Um, right. we, you know, our senior management is also intent on using our cash reserves. I think they're about $10 billion. Hopefully, they will put some in our bonuses, but you know, they have <laughs> $10 billion, um, of cash reserves for, to invest in growth. No? But uh, right. these investments must be ESG compliant, no? meaning good for the country and for the people. Right. And of course, in line with our expertise. No? So definitely, as you mentioned, uh, if the government does decide to get rid of some of its assets and they're mining related, they will definitely be things we will look at. And if uh, adding them to our portfolio will do well for the company, I don't think we will pass up the chance, although you know, we cannot uh, bite off more than we can chew. 
So at the moment, we're focused on, you know, Dinapige, Bulanjao, and okay. uh, hopefully Manikan. All right, sige. All right. So thank you again. Uh, I think I, I actually haven't seen uh, that much in news in if I if I'm not mistaken in regards to your, you know, the plans for the three for the three uh operate uh, for the three mines that you plan to expand on. Actually, the last question, this is actually one of the more um interesting at least for our investors, right? Yep. So besides this, there's a first question. This is a two-part question, right? So does the company, first one is, does the company have any outlook on nickel prices, short-term, long-term? And lastly, what's your outlook on the company in the short-term and long-term as well? So this is the opportunity probably to highlight, besides the what you mentioned regarding your expansion, in terms of outlook, that what other investors are interested at. Any key investor on metals, especially nickel, will, as you mentioned, be focused on the interesting growth of electric vehicles. And while there is an oversupply, as observers agree that there will be an oversupply of nickel until maybe 2024 because of Indonesia shifting to you know, NPI plants, there is a projected major deficit starting in 2025 because the demand for the EV sector will grow exponentially. Right. And uh, it'll outpace uh, Indonesian NPI production. And therefore, we expect uh, London Metal Exchange prices to remain high. You know, when I was given the assignment of, uh, of, 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 of responding to your invitation, you forced me to study <laughs> deeply you know, this, e- this EV phenomenon. Yeah. And it is, it, is, um, it is amazing what we will be seeing in the next five to 10 years. That's right. You know, I'm what? I'm past 50. I won't mention my actual age. I'm past 50. <laughs> but what we will see in the next five to 10 years, you know, is, is amazing. No? And again, no, um, there is no way these EVs will be on the road as, 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 is, uh, as is hoped unless um, their batteries are produced. No? Exactly. And at the moment, the Chemical mi- the chemistry mix for batteries includes nickel in the lithium-ion batteries. And so if you will see the analysis of, of groups like Bloomberg or the International Energy Agency right. projecting um, mega increases in EVs on the road, whether you are cars or buses or, uh, or trucks, there is no way that uh, you can imagine uh, metal prices, including nickel prices, to, to tank. Because... Uh, in Europe alone, the demand for batteries in the year 2020 already exceeded production capacity. And that was last year. No? Last year, I think the demand for EVs uh, in Europe first for the first time exceeded China. And again, you're not even talking of America catching up. Yes. And so I think Nickel Asia is, um, is uh, focused on the long term, although the medium and short term don't look bad. Uh, let's put it that way. But long term, the prospects are tremendous. And of course, the more we can encourage people to go green by going yeah. uh, uh, environmentally conscious with EVs, the better is for companies like Nicolation. So yes. that's all I can say. All right. So actually, you know, for, for, for listeners out there, I think there's this, um, I would just like to you know, elaborate further regarding the electric vehicle, vehicle brands. 
that are out there. Of course, probably the one of the more household names is Tesla, right? But if you actually yes. when you actually watch the news, for example, in China, there's really a huge demand there for electric vehicles. You have the companies like Xpeng, you have NIO, and yep. then for Europe, Volkswagen is really expanding on their electric vehicle program. I'm also seeing news in the US, just like what, what Sir JB mentioned, that they're trying to catch up. So you're seeing brands like Ford, you're seeing brands like General Motor really have huge budget to exp- to initiate, to jumpstart their electric vehicle um, segment. So that that's being right. said, that being said, that's why that's in line with what Sir JB said regarding their outlook on nickel prices and their outlook for the business in the long term, which is for them is pretty robust. So again, no, they have short-term plans regarding their three uh plants or mines, right? So they're supported in the short term, they're supported in the long term. Sir JB explained it well in terms of their their, their outlook and their how they are well positioned, especially the opening up of mining sector here in the country. So thank you, Sir JB. Do you have any um, last statement for our listeners, for our investors out there as regard in regards to Nickel Asia Corp? Um, well, Royce, I appreciate the opportunity you gave to Nickel Asia to make a short presentation of what it believes to be its prospects. It might sound paradoxical or ironic, but uh, the future looks green and we're excited to be part of it. You know, I, it's interesting because uh, next year I'm, I'm supposed to change my company car. I hope the company's listening. <laughs> so I guess I have to look for a green car. I hope by next year, uh, the local dealers will have uh, more options for people like us you know, who are looking for new vehicles uh, because I, the Philippines has definitely to catch up as well. And I'm saying that not only to make business better for my company, but because it's the right thing to do. We appreciate the faith uh, of the investors in the, our business. And we want to assure everybody that we will try to live up to the expectations of the best of our abilities. All right. So thank you. Thank you again, uh, Sir JB. And again, uh, again, I would also like to thank also Nickel Asia Corp uh, for guesting on this podcast. So thank you, Sir JB. And this has been Royce Aguilar, part of the equity research team of First Metro Securities. As always in First Metro Securities, it's hashtag your future first. So thank you. Thanks for listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to follow us to get first dibs on our new episodes. For more up-to-date market news and info, exclusive content, and the opportunity to connect with your fellow Filipino investors and traders, join facebook.com slash groups slash firstmetrosec and be part of the First Metrosec family. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.